the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what are you guys doing for Christmas? Oh, we got the entire family flying in. 13 airport pickups. Four days of listening to how gifted my nieces are. My brother thinks his daughter, the uh, four-year-old, is going to be the next Beyonce. <laughs> She's bad. And she sucks. I'm vacationing in tropical Albany this year with Trisha's family. They got us a cot, which is awesome, but we'll probably end up sleeping on the musty couch in the basement with the cats, all seven of them. Oh, and we get to be there the whole week. Kind of sounds like a prison sentence. Why do you guys put yourselves through that? It's Christmas, right? Don't you have to? We don't need to do it anymore. And, and, and we don't. We absolutely don't do it anymore. No, we're done. Why? What are you doing? We're going to Fiji. Yeah. Just the two of us. Fiji. Yeah. Don't your families get upset? Not if you tell them you're doing charity work. You lie to your families at Christmas time. I mean, you really can't spell families without lies. Try it. But don't you ever feel guilty? For taking a vacation on our vacation? Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I went a little long on that one. Uh, come together, the Beatles, uh, in honor of uh, Saturday. You're probably listening to me on Saturday. I'm recording on Friday. Uh, Saturday is the 38th anniversary of the death of John Lennon. Uh, you know they they sing in the song Mer- American Pie the, the the day the the music died and and. In uh, Don McLean's song that re- references the 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 plane crash with the big bopper and Richie Valens and and uh, you know there was a whole bunch of different uh, artists on there in the '60s I think it was and uh, but I to me to me I grew up in the in the early you know I was a little kid in the '60s when the Beatles were out there but I grew up looking at the watching the Beatles and uh, December eighth nineteen eighty for me was the night the music died. Um, because that said, there's no more possibility of a Beatles reunion um, 
I remember it well, and 38 years ago, remember it. Also, today, the day I'm recording is December 7th, a day that will remain uh, in infamy, December 7th, 1941, the day we lost 2,400 people in uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, uh, first time we were attacked on our soil uh, in American history. Well, I guess so you could say the Revolutionary War, but uh, you know we were attacked by Japan, uh, 2,400, uh, 2,400 plus, uh, military and, uh, uh, soldiers and doctors and nurses and everybody got, uh, were, were killed in that. Uh, I don't remember how many, how many hundreds or thousands are in, uh, over a thousand in the, uh, Arizona in Pearl Harbor that still remains there in the Harbor. If you've been to Hawaii and seen the Arizona Memorial, the ship is still right there sitting on the bottom of the bay. Um, and of course, most people listening to today don't even think about it. I know it was 20 years before I was born, but uh, but I still remember it. And more 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 to heart is the 9/11. But we should never forget these things because uh, if we don't remember the past, we will repeat them. And for the most part, that happens. So uh, a lot of stuff has gone on this week. Uh, a lot of stuff that's gone on that we're going to talk about and. We're gonna try and get through it and try to be uh try to not get too emotional about it because it was an emotional week this week. Um, but before I get into that, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located here in Southern California. Offices all over the place, lending in California, Hawaii, soon to be uh Ohio, Nevada, Texas, and Florida. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and if you're shopping for a house, there are some fantastic opportunities out there for buyers. You need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk to me on the phone, you just want to do the computer thing, go to WCCLoans.com, www.WCCLoans.com. Click on uh, looking for a loan, click on apply now, give me as much information as you want, and uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Randy Johnson, and we'll help you uh, find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you hear any part of the of the show you want repeated, www.edhoffman.net. Click on podcast page. You can hear this show as well, as well as several past shows, and you can listen to them on demand, or you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, have them download. You can subscribe for free, have them download automatically once a week. Uh, we upload them, you download them, uh, and then you can listen to them anytime you want. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Facebook, uh, the main event, uh, main event, uh, I'm sorry, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Uh, follow me. My personal Facebook is, uh, whatever. Search for me, Facebook on to search at Hoffman. And my, uh, Twitter is at Ed Hoffman. No numbers, just at Ed Hoffman, not real Ed Hoffman, just at Ed Hoffman. I signed up, uh, you know, years before I started actually tweeting and I got at Ed Hoffman. So easy, easy to do. And lastly, if, uh, if you hear something on the show, you want to make comments on, 855-640-2092 is listener hotline. That's a, that's a uh, recorded line. You can say whatever you want. Um, if you don't use any uh, four-letter words, if you speak clearly, um, you may hear may hear your uh, your voice on the air. 
you got something positive, something negative, I really don't. I really don't care. I don't discriminate. So, uh, so anyway, let's let's get into the show. Um, this week, the 41st president of the United States, George Herbert Walker Bush, passed away on November 30th at his home in Houston. Um, you know, the Bush family to me is 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 a whole class act. You know, you could say what you want about Jeb, and you can say what you want about uh, George W., and you can say whatever you want, whatever opinions you have on on these guys. But as I see, as I watch the funeral, I see uh, Trump, I see Obama, I see George W. Bush, I see um, the Clintons, and I see uh, Jimmy Carter. Um, you know what? I look at it and say, hey, you know what? The Bushes are the only ones that, that didn't get out of office and start talking trash on their on their successor um the clintons actually went to the to the extent of pulling all the w's off the off all the keyboards in the white house before they left because they think they're funny by defacing government property um the bushes are the bushes are a class act i've always thought that i was not really a huge fan of george hw uh only that you know in 1992 i thought he was tired um, you know, he, he, uh, he came in as a uh, vice president for Ronald Reagan. Um, I thought he was a good man. I voted for him to carry on Ronald Reagan's legacy. And, um, we went into Kuwait when, uh, when, uh, Iraq went in and invaded Kuwait and he organized the, uh, the coalition of, uh, of, I don't know, 40 different countries to go in there and, and re-liberate Kuwait and we went in and we we bombed and we pushed and we pushed uh, Iraq the national guard uh the, the the republican guard is what they call their army pushed them back into Iraq and uh, reliberated Kuwait and he got ba- pushed them back into Iraq and he should have kept going he should have kept going and he should have sent Rambo in there if nothing else and got and got Saddam Hussein and, and ended that ended that regime there at that time and uh but he didn't because Democrats all said, hey, wait, wait, we authorized you liberating Kuwait. And you did that. And then we pulled out. And he and he he said, okay, you're right. That's what we did. And we pulled out. And I think he got enough he got enough he got beat up bad enough for that. I just felt like at the end of four years, he was tired. I can remember Ross Perot coming on and and saying, Hey, you know what? I think I think uh Bill Clinton is a sleaze bag. I think uh, Ross Perot is a businessman, and I just think George W. H. W. Bush is tired. I just don't think he, I think he doesn't want to win, and I don't think he wanted to lose his uh, his election. But I just uh, he just looked tired to me. He looked like he just had a, he just had been uh, punched in the stomach too many times. And uh, but his his history his history speaks for itself. He ran the CIA. Um, he served for a long time and we'll talk, talk a little bit more, more about that. But the, uh, I just felt like, you know, I'm, I just don't want to be real. Hey, this was a great inspirational guy. I just, he, to me, he just was not that inspirational, but I think he made a great, it's kind of like George W George W his son. I never thought George W was that great of a speaker. I really loved George W Bush because the way he ran the country. I think if you li- if you read his book, decision points, and get to know where where he was coming from. On those, he's a real person. He's a real person, and I think uh, you become a real person by having a real person example. And uh, and I know as as we've watched 
the funerals and the services I know for me and even more so for my wife who watched every minute of all the memorials this week. This was a tough week emotionally because especially those of us that are uh, are uh, you know getting older and we're starting to feel our feel you know you're starting to feel your age and you start to you start to think back and say hey you know what are my kids going to say about me when I'm gone? What are my coworkers and my friends and what you know what what are people going to say about me when I'm gone and you start reflecting and it was it's very emotional very emotional this was this was a uh you, there's really nothing bad you can say about George George H W Bush he was a good man and you know it's hard it's hard to be so sad cuz he was 94 years old you know and uh, what more could you have wanted for him he lived a great life he has a gigantic family um lived a very rich rich he's this guy was blessed and uh had a great great marriage i don't know how many how many years was he with barbara 77 married 70 years or something 74 years and uh barbara just left uh left us in uh, like 6 months ago um and i told told my wife don i said you know this reminds me of your parents because her parents were married for 50 some years and they were you know they were in love all the way till the end and after uh after Don's mom died it's like uh her dad was just kind of a little lost and uh he you know he was he was missing his his life partner and um you know he he actually died 10 years to the day from the time her mom died and um which we didn't think he'd last that long because he had a broken heart and I think George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush were were that's that was them but you know he died, he dove out of airplanes and he did all he he lived a life he lived a life 94 years and you know his quality of life had gone down cuz guess what his body got old hard hard to get hard to be too sad about that um his one time white house chief of staff and secretary of state james baker uh was bush's best friend throughout the rest of his life uh here he is describing the president's last moments he had a very gentle passing uh, he had, of course, a wonderful life, 94 years, uh, oldest l- l- former president ever, and uh, it was such a beautiful human being, and and his, uh, the, the last day was something really sort of special. He uh, ended up talking to his children uh, in those last hours. You know, they say when someone's passing away, they, the, the sense that never, they never lose is the sense of hearing. So they got all of his children on the phone. One of his sons was there with us, uh, Neil, his son Neil. But they got the others on the phone. And the last words the 41st president of the United States ever said were to, were to the 43rd president when he said, uh, I love you. Because uh, 43 had called in to tell his father goodbye and tell him how much he loved him. He so it was a very, very sweet scene. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know know what to say about it. It's just you know, this this is a time to reflect on a on a man who served, who served, and I know you everybody's been watching it for fi- for uh, for five days, uh, for a week actually, and uh, nothing but George H W Bush on. It's hey, let's let's give you the guy. You know, it was it was touching some of the things when as his body lay in state, uh, the little kid with the with the Boy Scout. Little, I don't know. He was probably seven years old. The Boy Scout kid uh, saluting um, uh, Bob Dole, presidential candidate. Uh, him and George H. W. Bush were kind of uh, enemies for lots of years, and then they they had a uh, a uh, 
what's the word? They got they got they they put it beside up behind them and uh, made amends. And uh, to watch Bob Dole wheel up in his wheelchair, he's incapable of standing and having um, his his people help him stand up and salute. Touching, touching. Um, as mentioned, last words of President Bush spoke were "I love you too" to his oldest son, uh, George W. Bush, our forty-third president. Um, here's George W. You know, and I and I I think about funerals I've been to, and it's funny you don't have husbands and why husbands doing eulogies of their spouses, and uh, and typically you know kids for their parents. Sometimes that's that's not even easy because it's hard to get up and 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 speak and try to hold it together. Um, here's George W. Bush um, from his eulogy of his father. He was firm in his principles and supportive as we began to seek our own ways. He encouraged and comforted, but never steered. We tested his patience. I know I did. But he always responded with the great gift of unconditional love. Last Friday, when I was told he had minutes to live, I called him. The guy answered the phone, said he, I think he can hear you, but he hadn't said anything for most of the day. I said, Dad, I love you and you've been a wonderful father. And the last words he would ever say on earth were, I love you too. What, what better ending as his son could George W. Bush have asked for? In those uh, those last words, um, couple. I'll try to I'll try to make it a little little uh, easier to easier to do. A couple other little snippets that uh, George W. Uh, said that I that I enjoyed from his eulogy. Here's one about his uh, his speeds. He was born with just two settings: full throttle, then sleep. <laughs> kind of reminds me of my uh, my dog Tank. Uh, full throttle for, for about a minute and a half and then sleep for half a day, um, other than until it's time to eat and then go back to sleep. Um, I can relate, I can relate to that. I can completely relate full throttle, then sleep. You know, you work, you work, you work, you come home and then, oh man, I'm sitting still. I'm I, sometimes I feel like that. I sit down on the couch after work and I'm like a shark. I don't have any 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 water flowing through my gills, and uh, I just wind down and melt into the couch. Um, here's another here's another lesson that George W. talks about his dad having taught him. Of course, Dad taught me another special lesson. He showed me what it means to be a president who serves with integrity, leads with courage, and acts with love in his heart for the citizens of our country. When the history books are written, they will say that George H. W. Bush was a great president of the United States, a diplomat of unmatched skill, a commander-in-chief of formidable accomplishment, and a gentleman who executed the duties of his office with dignity and honor. Serves with integrity, leads with courage, and acts with love in his heart for the American people. Can you ask for anything more? And to me, um, George W., George Bush the the uh the junior um emulated that as well and that's uh one of the things that I love about about the bushes and um you can't you can't 
you, we can't ask for anything else. Can't ask for anything else, um, you know, to have those kind of qualities in a president. Um, here's how, here's, here's uh, George W. putting the finishing touches on his, uh, on his eulogy. We're going to miss you. Your decency, sincerity, and kind soul will stay with us forever. So through our tears, let us know the blessings of knowing and loving you, a great and noble man, the best father a son or daughter could have. I don't know how he got through got through the whole speech without breaking down until then. Um, the president's biographer, I mean, I don't know that I, I don't know that I could have. I don't think I could have done it. I had a friend uh, ask me to speak on his behalf uh, when his wife passed away, um, I don't know, four years ago. And he sent me over what he wanted me to say. And I'm just going, how do you expect me to get through this any easier than you? And uh, I had Don drive to the funeral, so I read it out loud about 14 times so I could so I could get through it. It's tough. It's tough, but it's, you know it's a it's reflection of a of a of an inspirational life, uh, inspirational well lived life. Here's here's some stuff. This one of the other things that that, that some of the services president's biographer and longtime friend, presidential historian John Meekham, delivered a touching eulogy that reminded us about some some stories that maybe everybody doesn't know about George H W Bush. And amazing if you look for this on the internet, there's actually there's actually footage footage of this moment uh, that John Meekham talks about. The story was almost over even before it had fully begun. Shortly after dawn on Saturday, September 2nd, 1944, Lieutenant Junior Grade George Herbert Walker Bush, joined by two crewmates, took off from the USS San Jacinto to attack a radio tower on Chichijima. As they approached the target, the air was heavy with flak. The plane was hit. Smoke filled the cockpit. Flames raced across the wings. My God, Lieutenant Bush thought, this thing's gonna go down. Yet he kept the plane in its 35-degree dive, dropped his bombs, and then roared off out to sea, telling his crewmates to hit the silk. Following protocol, Lieutenant Bush turned the plane so they could bail out. Only then did Bush parachute from the cockpit. The wind propelled him backward, and he gashed his head on the tail of the plane as he flew through the sky. He plunged deep into the ocean, bobbed to the surface, and flopped onto a tiny raft his head bleeding, his eyes burning, his mouth and throat raw from salt water. The future 41st president of the United States was alone. Sensing that his men had not made it, he was overcome. He felt the weight of responsibility as a nearly physical burden, and he wept. Then, at four minutes shy of noon, a submarine emerged to rescue the downed pilot. George Herbert Walker Bush was safe. The story, his story and ours, would go on by God's grace. 
Yeah, pretty uh, pretty inspirational. And you hear some of the other things that you know he didn't really talk about his his military service until he went into uh, public uh, public life and had to uh, you know talk about as he's running running the show his his experience and um, you know the the burden he held that by you know going down and knowing that his uh, his two uh, the people the other two guy soldiers in the in the plane with him died he felt kind of responsible for that and he knew that he had he was spared it i don't remember if it was his son or his his friends or whoever uh they talked about how uh how he uh he felt that he was called to serve um that god spared him for for some reason and uh serve serve he did serve he did and it was uh it just it was an inspirational week inspirational week and it's and it's amazing to me it's amazing to me how the media loves dead Republicans. You know, the media hates uh, hates all the all the Republicans and and criticizes and frames and and even the Democrats lo- love them as soon as we're dead. As soon as we're dead, if you think about John McCain, you think about George H. W. Bush, um, President Ford when he passed away recently, uh, Barbara Bush. No, as soon as, as soon as somebody dies, they love us. But until then, we're we're low life, low life animals. Anyway, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna talk more about this. But I uh, gotta go to five minutes of traffic, weather, and uh, commercials. Don't go away. I'll be right back for part two. Standing in the dark, Welcome back to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance, although uh, we just recently recorded a, a real estate uh, show that probably you'll start hearing on the hearing on here. But the, uh, um, you know, I think you guys think it's boring if we talk too much about it. We try to make the other one a little bit more uh, exciting, but. Uh, if you hear somebody that talks like you and you want to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go online at wccloans.com and uh, get in touch with me. I'll help you uh, get the real estate financing that you need or uh, steer you towards the right the right uh, decisions you need to make um, before you in engage in that one so uh so we were talking about uh the funeral of george hw bush this week in the first half and uh you know it's it's uh now that george hw bush has passed liberals can't seem to stop gushing about the president none of them supported that when he was in office in fact they're even saying nice things about his son whom they treated even worse on uh on december 4th the new york the new york post posted this uh article called democrats really do love republicans when they're dead I'll read the article. He was a patriot, a hero, a genial gentleman, and a great American. You can't pick up a newspaper or go near a television without hearing leftists gush with praise about for the late President George H.W. Bush. Who knew they felt this way? And you are not mistaken if, if the outpouring of previously unknown affection for the first President Bush sounds familiar. That's because it was almost identical to the loving send-off that some, the same suspects gave Senator John McCain right after he died in August. It it all just go to prove that Democrats and their media handmaidens really do love Republicans when they're dead. 
All the more, all the more so if, when they're alive, they were supposed to President Trump. There were there are reports that both Bush and McCain voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, see, good Republicans. Uh, McCain's feud went beyond the grave, and when it came came when it became known that he did not want Trump at his funeral, McCain got extra love for that uh, final bit of pettiness. The heydays of the of the press hatred for Bush and McCain came during the presidential campaigns. Long before they were saluted for their late-in-life late, late in life stances against Trump, Bush 41 and McCain were declared unfit to be president by the left. When Bush nominated Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court in 1991, he and Thomas got the same kind of character smearing that Trump and Brett Kavanaugh got this year. Now in his coffin, Bush is the model of American greatness. I think, uh, I, think I said all this stuff in the first half that just amazing... The hypocrisy, you know, the, the they can't they can't say enough bad stuff about you while you're alive, and then they feel bad when you die, and then they tell the truth, or maybe they just feel like it's politically correct to say nice things, to say nice things uh, when you're dead. I know, uh, I know, uh, Rudy Giuliani in his book Leadership says, "Hey, you know what? Uh, funerals are a mandatory, and weddings are optional, and uh, you know, as far as showing people respect at, at their events." And uh, so maybe this is just the model. Hey, you know, you have to say nice things about people when they're dead. You can't, you can't kick a man when he's down unless you're. Uh, well, Democrats do when you kick them down. When they when they go when they when they go low, you kick them. Uh, so here's some reminders of the of the media's disdain for Bush when he was president. A stark contrast to how they're remembering him now. Just days before 1988 Iowa caucuses, um, CBS anchor Dan Rather. Who you who you'll remember uh, got uh, fired from CBS for for com- for reporting a story about uh, George W. Bush's uh, National Guard uh, uh, um, record that was not was not true, and uh, of course then there I won't I won't go into that. So uh, CBS anchor Dan Rather tried to torpedo Bush's presidential campaign with an ambush interview on his vice presidential role in the Iran-Contra affair, which if you're not sure about the Iran-Contra affair, wa- affair, watch uh, last year's uh, movie uh, American Made, which CPS deceived Bush into thinking uh, would be a profile for the 88 campaign. I don't want to be argumentative, Mr. Vice President. You do, Dan. <laughs> no, this is not a no, great sir, night because I, I want to talk about why I want to be president, why those 41% of the people are supporting me. And, Mr. And Vice President, these questions are judge a whole career... It's not fair to judge my whole career by a rehash on Iran. How would you like it if I judge your career by those seven minutes when you walked off the set in New York? Well, now, Mr. would you like that? Uh, Mr. I Vice have President, for you, but I don't have respect for what you're doing here tonight. Mr. Vice President, I think you'll agree that your qualification for president and what kind of leadership you'd bring to the country, what kind of government you'd have, what kind exactly. of people you'd have around him is much more important than what you just referred to. I'd be happy well, to hold I want to be that. judged on the whole record. Well, and you're not And I'm trying an to set the record straight. You Mr. invited me to come here to talk about I thought the whole record. I, I want you to talk about the record. You sat in a meeting with George Shultz. Yes. He got apoplectic an when he found out that he you were you and the president were being part of sending Reagan. missiles to the Ayatollah, Iran, uh, uh, the Ayatollah of Iran. Can you explain how you were supposed to be the uh, you are you're an anti-terrorist expert. We Iran was officially a terrorist state. You went around telling that Dan. You, you, I wanted those hostages. Mr. President, the question Buckley is, out of there. but you, you made killed, us hypocrites in the face of the killed. world. How could you? Go, how could bad. you sign on to such a policy? Well, and the question is, the what does that tell us about your record? Signed on to it. The same reason the president signed on to it. When a CIA agent is being tortured to death, maybe you err on the side of a human life. 
But everybody's admitted mistakes. I've admitted mistakes. And you want to dwell on them. And I want to talk about the values we believe in and the experience and the integrity that goes with all of this. And what's I going to do about education? And you're, there's nothing new here. I thought this was a news program. Well, yeah, it's uh, pretty disgusting when you think that uh, Dan Rather wasn't a... Dan Rather is not Sean Hannity. He's not Rush Limbaugh. He's He was a news guy. You're supposed to give uh, unbiased stuff. And uh, especially while you're, you know, in the presidential election, hey, say, say you know, ask the questions and lead them where you want. But he actually got in his face. Um, you can't you can't judge a life based on uh, one particular one particular mistake or one particular success. Um, it's not fair to anybody. I'm, you know, imagine imagine if we had the technology of today in 1988, um, how they would have blasted some of that stuff out. And it's uh, we have to take everything with a grain of salt now. Um, here's some other examples of the uh, of the disdain that the that people have for people have for the for the Republicans while they're alive, and you know uh, what they did for to George H. W. Bush after after the '88 election. Time Magazine wrote, "Bush won by default and by fouls. His mandate is to ignore the threats of our economy and to sustain Reagan's heritage of let's pretend and serve as figurehead for the America." Oh, for what America has become—a frightened empire hiding its own its problems from itself. Hmm. Nice. Uh, there were predictable accusations of racism. What else? In 1989, when KKK leader David Duke ran for governor of Louisiana, ABC's Judd Rose blamed Bush by saying Duke is just pushing the same buttons and sending the same coded messages that Horton ads did so effectively for the Bush campaign last year. And in December 1990, a USA Today editorial said it wouldn't be surprised if George Bush appointed David Duke, the former white sheet wearing KKK wizard, as a Republican National Committee chairman to implement the administration's white race driven social policies. Can you believe this crap that people were that they were putting out there? Uh, And uh, NBC's Andrea Mitchell Sounded like a Democratic operative on NBC Nightly News in October 1990, talking about Bush's failure to uphold the No New Taxes pledge. Uh, remember that? Read my lips, no new taxes. The American people have failed to realize that they have responsibility in all of this. But one of the reasons is that for 10 years, Republicans in the White House, first Ronald Reagan and then George Bush, have been telling telling them that they don't have to pay for what they get. Ah, I don't have to pay for what they get? I think that's a Democrat thing. Hey, you know what? We deserve this. Tax the rich people. 28 years later, here's Andrea Mitchell last week. With the passing of an era, he was uh, the best prepared president of the United States in terms of foreign policy experience. I think history will be very kind to him. And I know the flaws. I did, you know, journalistic battle with him at times. But he always engaged and understood that that was part of the process. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? So uh, then there's then there's the view, which I don't I don't watch it, probably because I I'm working. But you know uh, he, where Joy Behar used used the memory of George Bush to attack President Trump. Megan McCain, who is no fan of Trump either, attempted to put a stop to it. He signed into law the Clean Air Act Amendment of 1990, one of the most sweeping environmental yeah. statutes ever. Yeah. This president that we have now is trying to unravel everything that he did and Obama did. And if I ever become a one-issue voter, it will be about 
pollution and the greenhouse effect and, and the we fact that... Can we focus on the president, yeah. please? I, I, know, just, I don't want to talk about Trump. Well, I do for a moment. So, we're honoring a great uh, president in the past. I, I want to talk about but the we're different... Honoring, but I'm not interested in your one issue. I don't what care what you're interested in. I'm talking. I don't care what you're interested in either. We'll be right back. Okay, Saucer of milk, table one. Little cat fight going on there. According to the Daily Mail, Behar continued to fume as the show cut, cut to commercial and said she would leave this show, quote, if this stuff doesn't stop. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I can't take this much more, Behar reportedly said, with along with, quote, get this, which, paraphrased, under control. I've tolerated a lot of stuff on this show but i am at my wits end with this entitled witch enough already i'm not playing nice any longer so uh you can you can fill in the words that you think uh that i took out and made rhyme with stuff uh, or that said stuff or witch um you can uh, figure that out but you know what i love the view i love the view i'm glad that it's on when i'm working so i don't have to watch it so uh Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, morons, morons, amazing. So uh, let's get on with the let's get on past this. But you know it was emotional week. It was, uh, but it's celebration of a life. Uh, it's sad. It's sad if you watch the uh, the train that went from the 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 final funeral on Thursday, with a all painted in red, white, and blue, and. Uh, taking it to the the George H W Bush Library. Now we just called him George Bush when uh, he was president, but since George the George W Bush got in, now we have to distinguish that extra H. So hey, you got two middle names. That's the only difference between you and your son, uh, other than you were taller and various things. So uh, so um, uh, let's talk about let's talk about what's going forward now. The Democrats running for president, former Vice President Joe Biden, is fueling more speculation that he'll run in 2020, claiming that he's the most qualified person in the country to be president, teasing that an announcement about his candidacy could come within six weeks. Biden will be will be 78 years old in 2020, which means he'll be uh, close to 79 years old if he if he were to win and take office. 79 just to start. Amazing. His full remarks on Monday at the University of Montana in Missoula, according to CNN, I'll be as straight with you as I can. I think I'm the most qualified person in the country to be president. I've been doing this my whole adult life, and the issues that are most consequential relating to the plight of the middle class and our foreign policy are things that I have, even my critics would acknowledge, I may not be right, but I know a great deal about it. And Paraphrased, I may be dumb, but I'm not smart. Here's uh here's Lindsey Graham on on Joe Biden. I, I think he would be a tough opponent, but I think President Trump will win because if you like what Biden has to offer, um, uh, Clinton wouldn't have gotten beat because she was an extension of that kind of way of doing business. If you like looking weak throughout the world as Obama and, and Biden looked, if you like a stagnant economy where it's a command and control economy and the wages are not growing, then go back that way. I'm not underestimating Joe Biden. I personally like him, but he's been wrong about every major foreign policy event. He was the biggest champion of the Iranian agreement where we gave $150 billion to the Ayatollah. So I like Trump's chances, but don't take anything for granted. But I will say with this, without any doubt, the candidates on the Democratic side uh, range from sort of crazy 
to just uh, let me tell you how much I hate Trump. He's the one guy with actually some experience. So compared to Elizabeth Warren, he's the most qualified. But if you're looking for a president who is going to take the country in a new direction, he is absolutely your worst choice because he'll take us backward. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would think. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping the. Uh the voters of the United States in 2020 are smarter than the voters in California. And, uh, and I think we, I don't think there's anybody that's going to have a chance of, of uh, beating Trump barring anything traumatic happening in the next two years. Unfortunately for Joe, his former boss, Barack Obama may not agree that he's the, he's the one reportedly, uh, Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who we talked about last week, is seriously weighing a 2020 presidential bid and wants Obama's endorsement. According to the Washington Post, O'Rourke and Obama secretly met on November 16th to discuss the, an endorsement. Former Obama aides have encouraged O'Rourke to run, seeing him as capable of the same kind of inspirational campaign that got Obama elected in 2008. How inspirational is that? Man, he could be, he could be running an inspirational campaign. He can't run the country, but we're going to put him in there. He's tall and good looking. That's all you need to do and have a silver tongue. So uh, meanwhile, the Democrat Party has finally found, has finally found something for, for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start a, a, a special section on every week called it the Alexandria moment. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to talk about, so she can stop embarrassing herself. So, this girl, this girl's a moron, and New York elected her as a congressman, and uh, so so now now what her talk is? She's called the 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 new green deal, the green new deal, a proposal to boost the green economy and create jobs through solar technology, retrofitting coastal infrastructure, manufacturing electric vehicles, and so forth. Ocasio Cortez, moron, started reciting the the talking points this week. Listen to this and try to figure out what exactly she's saying. This is about a new deal for the United States of America. Because in every moment when our country has reached the depths of darkness, in every moment when we were at the brink, at the cusp of an abyss, and we did not know if we would be capable of saving ourselves, we have. We've done it. Yeah. And what? Huh? What did she say? Hello, anybody there? Uh, that's that's. I thought of all my reactions to that. I've put them all into one sentence. Then there's a here's an here's another piece of this uh, of this of this babble. The idea that we're going to somehow lose economic activity, as a matter of fact, uh, it's not just possible that we will create jobs and economic activity by tr- by uh, transitioning to renewable energy, but it's inevitable that we are going to create jobs. It's inevitable that we're going to create industry. And it's inevitable that we can use the transition to 100% renewable energy as the vehicle to truly deliver and establish economic, social, and racial justice in the United States. In the United States. That got cut off on that clip. Wait, we're going to use economic energy, uh, the the conversion to 100% renewable energy, to solve racism in the United States. Hmm. Hey, did you drive to work today or did you bring your lunch? I don't know. What is what is what what the hell is she talking about? Brings me back to uh 
being at the Mortgage Bankers Conference a few years back when uh, Richard Cordray, former head of the CFPB, started his speech. The first time I ever heard this moron speak said, the Affordable Care Act is going to save the housing industry. And I just sat there and there was quite as a pin as you know, you could hear a pin drop. And I just kind of mumbled under my beard, but everybody for a, for a, you know, 50 feet radius could hear me say BS, except for I didn't use the letters and everybody kind of turned around, looked at me. I go, Hey, you guys are all thinking the same thing as, uh, as my wife is elbowing me in the, in the ribs. Shh, you're too loud. So anyway, um, so here, here's what the, you know, it just, there just makes no sense. This lady's a congressman. I'm sorry, congressperson. She got elected to Congress. She's about as dumb as a box of rocks. So here's who the Democrats want to embrace right now. Gaff-prone, woman-groping, 76-year-old, going to be almost 79 if he was to win, former Vice President Joe Biden, failed Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke, who couldn't beat Ted Cruz a month ago, and 29-year-old Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who just got went to uh, high to just finished high school. It sounds like uh, just quit her job as a bartender and still hasn't been sworn into Congress. <sighs> Feels good to be Republican, doesn't it? Um, except for when you see your form, your uh, your fellow voters file in behind these people. If you ask Congressman David Cicilline, Democrat from Rhode Island, the field needs to be even much broader than that. We have, we'll have 30 or 40 probably great candidates running for president. That's a lot. I think 40, really? 40 candidates? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a okay. lot of U.S. senators who are talking about a lot of governors, a lot of people outside of politics. I think we're going to have a big field. Yeah, big field. Hey, you guys remember 17 Republican candidates uh, two years ago? Uh, actually, probably three and a half years ago when it started. 17, remember, two-tiered uh, debates. Hey, the first... The first people are going to be on the debate is going to be uh, the first uh, the first twelve of them. The rest of them are going to be on the on the early debate that's going to show not in prime time. It's going to show during while well, everybody's at work where no one's going to see it. And uh, hopefully the uh, the clips that they if anybody really breaks out the clips of them will will push them up into the next one for the next debate. Um, hey, we don't have a, we don't have a stage wide enough to fit seventeen candidates all at the same time, um, or we don't have a we can't. Get everybody a chance to talk at 17. They want to go 30 or 40. Amazing. Amazing. And they don't they just don't have anybody. You'd think they'd have somebody identified. I love to hear that uh, apparently there's a uh Kamala Harris. Apparently there's a uh sexual harassment charge going on uh from when she was a uh, uh California State Attorney General. There's some kind of a there's some kind of something that she handled inappropriately. Uh, going on in the news, and uh, now uh, who knows where that goes? Who knows where that goes? But hey, the truth comes out. So, uh, so let's go on. Still no collusion in the uh, Robert Mueller case. Democrats found yet another reason to get excited over Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. In a heavily redacted memo where uh, very little information is readable, Mueller recommended no jail time for Trump's former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn. Uh, because of his cooperation with their investigation. The defendant deserves credit for accepting responsibility in a timely fashion and substantially assisting the government. The memo says it also says Flynn sat through a whopping 19 interviews with special counsel's office where he went into detail about contact between members of the Trump transition team and Russia during the transition, which I'll remind people 
is completely legal. There's nothing wrong with the Trump transition team talking to members of the uh, of uh, of other countries because that's what our countries and our State Department and that's what we do. We're coming in a new new uh, a new uh, administration of leadership, and we talk about that with our with our counterparts in other countries. That's their job. There's nothing wrong with any of that. So why are we spending gazillions of dollars on this? Uh, I don't know because it's not their money. It's our money and. Somebody should say something about it. Here's former U.S. Attorney Joe DiGenova on uh, on the subject. General Flynn actually did nothing wrong. Uh, it, the agent said he didn't lie, but uh, Mueller decided he was going to charge him with lying anyway. Everything that General Flynn did was legal. The, the transition team communicating with the Russians and other foreign diplomats, perfectly legal. This was a, this was a designed plot to frame General Flynn so that they can figure out a way to go after President Trump. It's all part of the same theme. This is anybody with a brain can figure out that Sally Yates had already decided that they were going to frame General Flynn. And you know what? They succeeded. They did. They framed him. I hope General Flynn, when this is all over, he files a gazillion dollar lawsuit against the United States, the government of the United States of America and sues him for, for their life back. When all these testimonies, which I'm sure we'll be talking about next week because James Comey is uh, is testifying while I'm recording um, for what they did to him. But over at CNN, Colonel Ralph Peters went into a classic Colonel Ralph Peters rant mode, which is what got him kicked off Fox News. As a former officer, I'd set him to jail for life. He betrayed his country. But he wound up being torn about it. You know, on a personal level, um, his life's already ruined. He may be pardonable, but he's but it's unforgivable. He's a moron. Ralph Peters is a moron. Hey, really quick, I'm almost out of time. Meanwhile, they're still rioting and killing each other in France over the high diesel taxes. Gasoline, they did a gas tax for 25 cents and diesel for 10 cents. And listen to what they're chanting in France. We want Trump. We want Trump. Apparently, they're smarter than the voters of California who uh, who are about to get get uh, killed next year in uh, cap and trade, and we voted to keep the gas tax. What a bunch of morons. Hey, next week, Travis Allen, former governor, uh, governor, gubernatorial candidate, and now running for the head of the Republican Party is going to be on the, on, the, on the air with me on the main event next week, so don't, don't miss it. Folks, be, be nice to each other out there in the malls or on, the side, in the, uh, in, on Amazon. Don't push each other offline. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 0937346. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.